So I just want to give a, a short word off the back of that, if I may. Just the word lavish. I just, as I was reflecting on today, just I love the word lavish. It's not really a word that I use very often. But it means to give something in generous or extravagant quantities. It's over the top, basically. It's like, it's way more than you ever needed. And I, that is the Father's heart. That's, that's the way he rolls. And it's not very British. And that's okay. But it's uh, such an important revelation that we have a Father that is over the top. That he, he, his love is extravagant. It makes no logical sense. And that's okay. And I just wanted us to spend some time just receiving that today and just reflecting on it and just thanking God for this amazing love. You know, the reason why we study the Word ultimately is so that we understand the nature of God. The reason why we look at the, new, the Old Testament is because God hasn't changed. We just get a new insight of the nature of God. Jesus said he came to reveal the Father. And he, and he taught many parables to kind of just give us a flavor and insight of the nature of God. Sometimes when you say things, they're quite limited. But if you tell a story or a picture, it just goes even further. And um, three parables um, in, in Luke 15 are just three of my favorite. Um, you've got the parable of the lost sheep. You've got a parable of the woman who lost a silver coin. And then you've got the parable of the lost sons. It's often known as the lost son, but there's, there's actually two lost sons in the story. Um, and in each story, there's an extravagance. There's a recklessness. There's like, I am, you just feel the heart of the father. I just want to unpack it a little bit today. With the lost sheep, as you all know, I'm sure. The shepherd went out for the one, leaving the 99. If that was a business model, you'd think that's the most reckless business model ever. I am going to risk 99% of what we've got to go after 1%. That makes no sense at all. Can you imagine a board meeting and the, the chairman was like, right, this is what we're going to do, guys. We're going right, to... I know we've lost 1% today, but um, we're going to risk all the rest of it just to get it back. They think you are nuts, absolutely nuts, and, and it's it's incredibly reckless thing to do. But Jesus is telling the story to reveal the heart of the Father. I don't quite like using the word reckless because it is, but it's not. If you know what I mean, it's it's he f he absolutely knows what he's doing. It's not like a whim. I'm just going to. Oh, I'm just going to do it. You know, it's, it's, it is extravagant, but he means it, and he would do it again. And he'd do it again. The parable of the lost son is my favorite story. Just this father, just this amazing father, just throughout the whole story, obviously, as you know, the, the youngest son of the two turns to him one day and says, you know what, Dad? I wish you were dead. I wish I could have everything, all my inheritance now. I don't want to wait for you to die. I want it now. I want all of it. The crazy thing is he actually sold every half of his estate and gave it to him. 
crazy thing number one. <laughs> I feel like that, for the culture at the time, that would have been crazy. The problem with these stories is that we're so familiar with them, we forget how 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 outrageous this story is, how 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 completely offensive this father is for the, 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 the social norm, the domestic order of the time, for, for this father to just, uh, okay, I'll sell it all. I'll give you all. Everything that I've built up, I'll sell half of it, give it to you now. And then the way he left, and the way he waited for his son to come back. And then as he saw his son come, he just lost all dignity and just went for his son. He just picked up his garment and just ran. He didn't care what anyone else thought of him. Again, that was completely taboo in that time. You just don't do that. But he didn't care and he just smothered his son with love. This extravagant father then threw a party, killed the fattest calf he could find, his threw the biggest party. And I don't know what other fathers, I don't know if there's any fathers in the room and you're thinking, what would I do if my son did all that? How would I respond? Would I be so excited to throw him a party at the end of that? Would you be really offended? Would you be really hurt? Would you be really gutted to your core that he did that to you? Would you be waiting eagerly every day for him to come back? I don't know if I would. You know, but this is the heart and nature of this extravagant Father God that we've got. And I know we've got. When I say the word Father, I'm sure lots of things come to your head straight away. It could be good, bad, indifferent. You might have had an absent dad. You might have had a really good dad. By earthly stands, you might have had an awful dad. But I just want you to try to pop that to the side for now, and just embrace this Father, this extravagant Father. And this is what we're looking to do in this grace group, is that we want them, these women, and hopefully when we do a men's group, the men as well, that they can just rest. This is what rest sounds like to me. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Just rest. Exhale. In the extravagant, lavish love of the Father of God. How wonderful is that? So I've just started um, doing a degree, um, a kingdom theology degree, and um, one of my lecturers is from Eastern Europe, and she's from a, she's from a, um, a Jewish family. And she was telling us a story, and I just wanted to share it with you. When she became a Christian, um, she became a Christian... Actually, I'm not sure actually when she became a Christian, but um, in her custom, when you had someone round, the host would fill your cup. You know, you'd be sitting together on the table, and it would be like, hey, we're talking, we're talking. I noticed your cup's empty, I'll just fill up. And we're talking, talking, oh, your cup's empty, I'll fill up. But the way that you knew, the way that the host sort of indicated it's time for you to go, probably, is that they would only fill their cup halfway. So you're like, gotcha. Understood. I'll be leaving in a minute. I'll just finish this and I'll go. Which I thought was quite an indirect way of communicating. 
But she, when she became a Christian, she read Psalm 23. So, obviously, this is, I'd like you to leave in a minute. Because I really want you to go. Because I need to go to bed or whatever. But in Psalm 23... He says, he caused my cup to overflow. What does that tell you? I'm going nowhere. He says, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you ever to leave. I want you to stay. How extravagant is that? It's wasteful. Obviously, I put a, I put a little basin in there because I don't want to make a mess. But who knows if God did that? Does he care about mess? He's extravagant. It's almost wasteful, his love and his grace. Have you heard the phrase, the scandal of grace? It's just, it's just amazing. So when she read that verse in Psalm 23, he makes my my cup overflow. She was rocked. She was like, wow. Because that was her culture. It was like, sort of an indicator, like, you need to move on now. But this is what God was saying. And I'd love just to pray this over this group, this Psalm 23. We, um, and I'll pray over you guys as well, obviously. Um, Mel unpacked this really well last week, so I'm just building upon it. So if you've got your Bibles, or if you just want to listen to it, that's totally fine. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and that's what, depression can feel like I will feel no e- I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows <sighs> surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. So I just want to pray this over them. Lord, you are their shepherd and they shall not want. You make them lie down in green pastures. These girls. You lead them beside still still waters. You restore their soul. You lead them in right paths for your name's sake. Even though they walk through the darkest valley, they fear no evil, for you are with them. Your staff and your rod, they comfort you comfort them. You have pre- prepared a table for them in the presence of their enemies. You have anointed their head with oil. Their cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their lives. And they shall dwell in the house of the Lord their whole life long. Amen. Do we agree with that? Okay, I've got a request to speak it over you too. So receive this. Receive it into your heart. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. I just encourage you just to receive this. If you'd like to hold out your hands or just open your heart, just do that. He leads you in right paths for his name's sake. Wow, for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you fear no evil. For for he is with you. His rod and staff, they comfort you. He's prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies right now. He anoints your head with oil and your cup now overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you now all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord your whole life. Do you want to stand with me?